Mini-episode 1501 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1501. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with you today. And we have an early look at some football coming up. No, not the college or NFL football this fall, but an early, early look at the XFL for next spring because they just announced the cities for it and dropped a couple of other news tidbits about it. So uh, back on the show with us here is uh, our very good friend, our Sports Central football columnist, Fran Stuckberry, and a dignitary here in the FDH Lounge. So very good to have you back on, uh, Fran, to talk about this. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rick. Um, I'm excited to discuss the XFL with you. Yes. Uh, as we take a look at it here, the announcement uh, came out, and uh, there may have been a few surprises here and there. I don't know. It sort of depends on what people thought coming in on what they expected. But uh, the teams that were announced, you have uh, the first team I can ever recall being after, named after the city, Arlington, for Arlington, Texas. Usually it would be uh, like the Texas Rangers when they played there. Usually the name Texas would take, but... Uh, Evidently, a special arrangement to name the team Arlington. They're going to be playing in Choctaw Stadium, the former home of the Texas Rangers, which has been converted subsequently head coach Bob Stoops. You have the Houston franchise. They're going to be playing at TDECU Stadium on the campus of the University of Houston, coached by Wade Phillips. The Las Vegas franchise, which I understand stadium to be announced, head coach will be Rod Woodson. The Orlando franchise at Camping World Stadium, where the Citrus Bowl has long been played, and I'm dating myself by calling it the Citrus Bowl. It hasn't been that for many years. Terrell Buckley to be the head coach. The St. Louis franchise will be playing at the Dome at America Center. Yes, that would be the former uh, Dome Stadium of the St. Louis Rams when they were in the NFL located there. Uh, Anthony Becht will be the head coach in San Antonio. They'll be playing at the Alamo Dome which uh, has had the Alamo Bowl for a number of years, and briefly the New Orleans Saints post-Katrina, Heinz Ward to be the head coach. Seattle's franchise will be playing at Lumen Field, same place as the Seattle Seahawks, as well as the Sounders of Major League Soccer, Jim Hazlitt to be the head coach. And the Washington, D.C. franchise will be at Audi Field, which is where the D.C. United team and MLS plays. They will be coached by Reggie Barlow. So out of all of these uh, developments here, uh, Fran, what are the ones that jump out at you the most? Well, it's good to get uh, football to be back in San Antonio and Orlando. And, and Vegas is going to be a good market for the XFL. San Antonio, they, they supported the commanders when they, when they played in the Alliance back football. They're around 27,000 fans a game. Orlando has a long history of, of scoring tons of football teams, and, 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 and they'll support the XFL. They, had, they originally had the XFL um, Orlando range back in 2001. They averaged over 28,000 fans. And, uh, and Vegas is going to be a better market than people think. It's not 
Frick, it's no longer just a tourist city. Look at all these teams that have come in there. You have Vegas Golden Knights, you have WNBA Las Vegas AC, you have a National Cross League coming this December, the um, Las Vegas Desert Dogs. It's no longer a tourist, a tourist thing. I think it's with the, with the rate, with the range, the average ticket price is $153. So the XL tickets can be much more affordable. And if, and if, my, my guy tells me they're, they're going to end up playing in a Legion Stadium because Sam Boyd Stadium is kind of run down and, and, and they're going to tear it down eventually. Plus, it's a, I cover the United Football League Championship out there and it's in the middle of nowhere. But, I mean, as far as the XL certain, go big or go home and play in a Legion. Well, exactly, and uh, as far as affordability goes, and I say this as somebody where, uh, not to be a snob, but I have stayed exclusively on the Strip when I've stayed there, it's sort of the difference between staying on the Strip or staying downtown or some other place. So if you can't do the Strip for whatever reason, in this analogy it would be the Raiders, who are right adjacent to the Strip, actually. This would sort of be like the equivalent of staying downtown or catching a show somewhere off the Strip. Uh, again, you still have a chance to have a very good experience at it in watching the Las Vegas XFL team. It's a different kind of experience than watching uh, the NFL. Oh, oh, it definitely is. Um, but uh, the thing is, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm excited to have Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, and um, and the rest, of, and, and the rest of, uh, with them promoting the league. I mean, uh, and, uh, and and making and making the league solid. Yes, and they are going to be tied intricately to the Walt Disney Company because the agreement with uh, ESPN, ABC, I believe ESPN Plus factors into this. Uh, I'm not sure about ESPN2, but I would assume so. And you and I talked about this off-air. FX, which, again, you and I are people who uh, understand and, and follow the, uh, the, the deep you know, workings of the TV industry to where that was part of the sale couple of years back of Fox entities that went to Disney. I'm still not sure the average person really hasn't registered yet that FX is part of the Disney chain, but uh, they'll certainly be doing everything they can to call awareness to the fact that some of the games will be showing up there over a period of time. And I believe going further back, I think FX might have, when they were still part of the Fox family, I think they might have gotten some Fox Sports spillover things once in a rare kind of blue moon. So They've had sports there in the past. I think this will be their first taste of it as part of the Disney brand. And again, they're going to be hyping and pushing this uh, everywhere they can. ESPN is going to do what ESPN is going to do. They, they ignored as much as they could humanly possibly ignore the, X, uh, the, uh, the uh, USFL. They will not be doing it to their own property. No, they definitely won't. Sharing videos on SportsCenter, right? They've been, they've been promoting it since day one. And, and the thing is... They, they know they can, um, both the XFL and, and ESPN can make money off of it. That's all it matters. Yes, they can. And uh, it will be, uh, as we've touched on, I think, briefly previously, uh, something of a laboratory for uh, the NFL because uh, they're going to try out some things in this league here that's going to allow the NFL to do sort of a, uh, you know, real-life laboratory type thing to see how some of these rules adjustments and things play out. So, Something of a hand and glove relationship with the NFL. Yeah, it's going to be hand and glove, and also the fact is, uh, Rick, um, and, uh, you know, when, when NFL last the cuss column and, um, at the end of the preseason, the XFL will get a chance to get a lot of those players. I, I recall seeing some, some USFL fans thinking they have a jump start on them because they had because they um 
they signed these players signed to your deal and they have some talented players. I disagree. I mean, because the X is going to have their drafts. They're going to get all these all these combines they've had. They're going to have diamonds. Plus, they're going to pay quarterbacks significantly more money. So the quarterback play is going to be better. You're not going to have a first. I guarantee you, on the X you're not going to have a first team quarterback throw more interceptions than touchdowns like Kyle Slaughter did uh, for the New Orleans Breakers. That's right, and they appear to have learned from some, and some people might say some of the mistakes of the USFL. I mean, I sort, I guess it all depends on your perspective, but as you say, the USFL didn't put as much of a uh, priority on that with the quality play as, as far as uh, incentivizing it to that degree financially, and also, too, the fact that the XFL teams are going to be out in their home cities and uh, trying to forge uh, business relationships in the community. The USFL seemed to be basing their year one profitability as much as possible on cost containment. On We're going to try and make money by keeping the costs down. The XFL, I think, in looking at this here, if I look at their business theory, if I understand it correctly, and if I do, I'm more sympathetic to this theory, you have to spend money to make money. They appear willing to be a little bit more aggressive in order to try to put a better and more satisfying product on the field. Well, that's, and that's the thing. Uh, they're going to, I mean, even though they're going to be having a hub practice format, they're going to have a presence in each eight cities. Uh, Danny Garcia confirmed that this week. So they're going to have people, like, um, you know, they're going to have people, um, uh, people working in each market helping promote the product. Fans are, that, that's the biggest thing with the XFL. They have to give, give the fans the feel uh, being connected to the community, that's an absolute must. And if players have to come a day or two earlier to a city um, to go to school, um, to, to um, make appearances, to, to promote the product, go, go for it. Yes, and uh, again, they are orienting it really more so along those lines as opposed to, again, the, the USFL was uh, extremely, I think I can use the word aggressive as far as cost containment, as far as all games being played in the hub city of Birmingham, uh, well, and then others, I guess, uh, in Alabama as well. But essentially, all games in Alabama there, uh, leading up to uh, the playoff games uh, in uh, Canton, Ohio, at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, again, the the XFL, there's going to be a lot more uh, travel. Uh, again, they're going to do much much better at the box office because again, uh, there's actually going to be you know, home teams for more than one team in the league here. So, uh, again, none of us knows what the break-even point is going to be on this kind of stuff, but uh, if you're putting butts in seats uh, in four stadiums per week, uh, you, you have a little better chance of uh, being able to uh, to make some money there, even though, again, they're going to be offering a, a more affordable product than the NFL. I'm sure it's going to be billed as being more family-friendly financially to take your family to, so... That puts a little bit of a ceiling on what you can charge if that's how you're marketing. But still, the money they take in at the gate versus what uh, the USFL did, it's going to be night and day. And also, when you're watching the games on TV, you're going to have a, a passionate crowd. You know? I mean, and the USFL had that one game. The XFL is going to have that in all four games this season during the week. Well, that is true. That's absolutely true because uh, it, it, as a TV product, it really suffered. Uh, every week. I mean, you'd, you'd have the one game where Birmingham would have uh, their home fans there to some degree, uh, but uh, it, it never really had like a football-type atmosphere. And the other ones that had the appearance of being held in basically a cold TV studio, which is essentially what it was, 
just not the same. So the ability to have fans uh, involved in the games here, and uh, the XFL has always prioritized that. I'm sure the crowds are going to be miked and everything. So a lot of comparing and contrasting that, uh, again, in my own editorial opinion, I think kind of favors the XFL as far as the presentation. And uh, as far as the head coaches here, you have a very interesting mix because you have some very, very established ones, whether it be high-level college like Bob Stoops, uh, whether it be NFL head coaches like Wade Phillips, uh, Jim Hazlitt, and then a lot of guys uh, up and coming on the ladder here who uh, may be wanting to pursue this on a much bigger level, uh, whether it be an Anthony Beck, a, a Rod Woodson, Heinz Ward, etc. Yeah, you have, you have a good mix of coaches, but the thing is that the, the XFL is giving guys opportunities. That, that's, it's, and, that's, and that's a solid thing. And the thing is with these coaches, as long as they have a good coaching staff, they'll be fine. Yes, and that's going to be key. they got to build out their staffs well, and uh, evidently uh, June Jones is going to be coaching with uh, Jim Hazlitt in Seattle. Of course, he had been the head coach in Houston two years ago, so they're, they're bringing in some of the, the football minds that they've had in there previously as well, and uh, so, again, I have a lot of confidence that they're going to be uh, building a quality X's and O's staffs there, and uh, like you said, it's going to be very, very interesting coming out of the whole period with uh, the uh, NFL uh, cuts that are going to be made uh, in August and primarily towards the end of August here. And one would think also, too, uh, once the college football season winds down, primarily with the smaller college players and any of the ones that uh, may not necessarily uh, have very realistic aspirations for the NFL draft, you, you would think that there would be some guys uh, coming available sort of at that point, too, although it would be hard to jump from one football season right into another, but I'd be surprised if you didn't get at least a few. One thing is they're going to they're gonna have drafts, they're going to have supplements also. Any players that trickle through that are available will get the opportunity. That is true. They're going to have that chance to make it, and uh, as far as we talked about this previously, uh, not too many, many episodes ago when we went through our 2022 USFL review, and that being the notion next year of the seasons, uh, I believe there's going to be maybe a small overlap, but essentially you're going to have the XFL season playing out first, and then the USFL season, as it was this year, sort of later spring into early to mid-summer playing out that way. So it will be a very interesting real time as far as comparing and contrasting, I mean, whether it be ratings, whether it be attendance, and, and again, you can only really measure the Birmingham home games as far as attendance, sort of on a per capita basis versus what the XFL is doing in four stadia every weekend. But it's going to be something where there is going to be a lot of uh, very intense interest being paid to the strengths and weaknesses of both leagues, how they stack up, and again, you and I had postulated previously that it, by the medium term, there may only be room for one of these two leagues in the spring. I mean, and I, I lean more towards the XFL's viability at this point, but 2023, seeing how it plays out, the battlefield in real time in the spring into the summer is going to be really interesting because it's going to set the tone for however many seasons they do go head-to-head. I mean, we shall see if there's going to be any football burnout left, because it'll be very interesting to compare the ratings of the XFL and the hard air um, playoffs and championships compared to the beginning of the USFL season. Plus the fact, some football fans, you know, you watch the NFL in college for six months, you know, for, for four, four months, then you're going to 
follow the XFL for another, another, another three and a half months. I mean, and then you're going to, uh, how many of those fans are going to turn over and watch the USFL for another another three, three months? So it just, I mean, it might get a little burnout. Well, but then again, Rick, as, as the USFL proved this season, you know, if it's football was on, people are going to watch it. Absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a built-in floor for that thing that is higher than a lot of people, I think, would probably uh, have it uh, recognized before the last couple of years with the re- with the return of spring football. I mean, as you say, I mean, for there to be, you know, any level of quality football in the spring, people will watch. So, again, if the XFL uh, proves to be a slightly better product on field, will that make a difference in the ratings? Will the TV markets uh, play into it as well here? It's, it's interesting that the footprint of this league is very Southern in nature and uh, not Southern. And a lot of times when people say Southern, they really more so mean the Southeast of the country. But this is sort of spread Southern across the country relatively evenly here. Uh, you have the northernmost team being Seattle by a wide margin because the next two northernmost teams are St. Louis and Washington, D.C. And then from there... Las Vegas, Orlando, uh, well, the three Texas teams, and uh, Las Vegas and Orlando. So how this all shakes out uh, as far as uh, the markets, the way that that plays into the national ratings, that's going to be part of the puzzle as well. Um, one thing that's going to be exciting for uh, your fan um, in, the, in three Texas is hopefully the teams will offer bus trips for those fans to go to those games. So if you're living in Austin, if fans can offer bus trips for you, for you to go to Houston and San Antonio, uh, that'd be a great, great PR thing to offer at a reasonable price. I mean, you can, I mean fan, fans would love that stuff. As far as Vegas is, is concerned, uh, fans from, from those other cities may go there for a mini trip and have some fun, especially if, if the games are in Legion, I think fans are going to go there, Rick. It could be, and it is interesting, you know, as you point that out here, that uh, there are a number of tourist destination cities uh, that form the eight teams in the league for next year as well here, because uh, Orlando, I think a lot of people would probably put that on the same tier tourism-wise as Las Vegas, uh, and then uh, Washington, D.C., which is, you know, it's, it's not a huge tourism place, but, I mean, you get a decent amount of travel in terms of people wanting to go see the historical sites and everything, and uh, some of the cities in uh, Texas as well. So, you know, yeah, that will be interesting to see if, if there's anything they can do to sort of take advantage of any of the spillover of, other, of people's travel doing other things. Well, if I eventually go to St. Louis for a small game, I mean, first of all, they're going to have they're going to have they're probably going to they're probably going to have over thirty thousand fans for you know maybe even more than that. Plus, if I ever go to St. Louis, I want to experience an arch. I don't know if I fit in there, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I was up there one time, and I got to tell you, I, I was I was much much younger. My parents took me there, and. Kind of took me up. I was kind of kicking and screaming the whole way because I'm afraid of heights, uh, Fran. So it was a thing where I got up there and, you know, I was just hoping I'd make it back down to the ground in one piece. It seemed like a rickety elevator, but I think they have since fixed that. So uh, if you're not afraid of heights like I am, I would highly recommend the experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited about um, probably going to multiple games in a couple cities. Some as, as a member of the media and maybe one, one of the fan stands. Yeah, and uh, so there are going to be a lot of interesting uh, opportunities for uh, people to take advantage of, uh, as we say, traveling to see these games, or if you live in the markets, 
uh, catching everything that happens uh, in, in your local markets, uh, because again, uh, unlike the USFL, there will be uh, home teams uh, that, that home teams will be hosting, so to speak here, not just one home team per week. So again, just uh, a lot of interesting things to happen, as you say. Subsequently, there's going to be a draft. Subsequently, we're going to start putting more meat on the bones of what this is going to look like. But uh, any other thoughts about uh, the shape of this thing here as we are uh, this far out, uh, still six months plus from the start? Hopefully, Bob's on immediately August and September, they announce significant schemes. Some may return with the same names. And obviously, those those new markets are going to have brand new names, which which, which will be exciting. I think the branding that's going to get a lot of buzz when they announce those. They'll get they'll get those fans even more connected to the communities. Yeah, they've always been. I've always felt like marketing wise, as far as uh, team names and logos and whatever for. For any of the leagues that are not quote-unquote major league, I have always felt that they have been sort of top tier as far as the branding of it and making it interesting and making the merchandise appealing to people. So I would not expect that to change in any way. So this is something, again, that we will continue to take a look at uh, between now and then. But uh, in terms of the opportunity to break this down with you here today, Fran Stuckberry, uh, thank you so much for being here. Hope people keep checking out your great work at our Sports Central. Thanks, Rick. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you, Fran, and thank you, everybody, for checking out FBH Lounge Mini Episode 1501.